0: It is good to see you. Uh, If you're at home and you're wondering what you're missing, you know, it's just one of these things that I would just say to all of us uh, there's about 100 of us in the room this morning. So, you know, it's not like uh, if you stayed home, you missed so much. We're glad for everybody that's here. And we understand that this is a process for us, isn't it? It's a, it's a different process. It doesn't feel like anything that we've gone through. And maybe this morning you're in the room and you have emotions that you're feeling. And uh, for some of us, maybe you feel overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord to be back. And some of you are like, man, this isn't what I thought it would be. I, I don't know that I like this mass thing. I don't know. How to, it, it's okay. All of that's fine. We're all processing this, aren't we? We're all kind of figuring it out. And maybe you're at home saying, man, I wish I would have come, or it's okay. We're all in process figuring this out. And so we're grateful to be on this journey, and we're really grateful just to have this time. I've got to say just a couple of words of thanks before we get started. But, but before we do, I couldn't think of a more appropriate kind of opening sentence than just to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's good just to be reminded that there is joy when we're gathered together. It's good. And I'm so grateful for a couple of people. I'm grateful for the ladies that worked so hard. Would you give them a hand for all of these masks that they made? Thank y'all for doing that. Doubles is a pocket square, I think. I don't know if it matches, but doubles is a pocket square when you're out and about town. You can use it like that. And, and this is an unfolding thing for us. We're just kind of walking through that and kind of figuring all of that out. You know, if you live in Nashville, uh, the Board of Health is making some decisions and they're kind of rolling that out about what masks are going to look like as we go forward in the future. So thank you to the ladies for providing those to us. We're really grateful for that. And I'm also grateful to all of our ushers. They came yesterday to kind of figure out this system and it's a crazy system of go to door one, two, three, and four. How many of you are totally messed up because you're not in your pew this morning, right? It's kind of goofy, right? It's like, I didn't want to sit over here. I'm over there. Or I wanted to sit in the back and then sit in the front. What's going on with this, you know? Uh, But that's okay. We're we're grateful for them. Thank you guys for doing that. And uh, we'll have some instructions for you at the end on on how we're going to dismiss. I wonder if uh, any of you have been bored enough during quarantine to play board games. I've not been. uh, Because I'd have to be really bored to play a board game game. But, you know, they say that board games have all kinds of benefits for children, right? They teach you things. They, they teach you kind of deductive thinking. They, they teach you about life and all those. In fact, there's a board game called Life, right? And it's advertised as it teaches you the ups and downs of life. And well, who wants to learn that when you're playing a board game to get away from life, right? I mean, that, that seems like that's counterintuitive. Or, or maybe you grew up playing Monopoly. That's a great game. You can learn some really good things in Monopoly, like everything you want to own, someone else will own and make you pay to use, right? That's, that's Monopoly. Or maybe you wanted to play Trivia Pursuit. I didn't understand that game. Trivia Pursuit, you know what Trivia Pursuit teaches you is that despite what your guidance counselor told you, being in the top 10% means nothing. You're ignorant. You don't know anything. I, I, I play that game and it's just, I don't know any of these answers. What are we doing? I like games without deductive thinking or reasoning. If I'm gonna play a board game, I think back to some of those that I've really... Maybe in the past really enjoyed. My Aunt Margaret, my great Aunt Margaret, taught me to play Tiddlywinks. Now, Tiddlywinks has been described as one of the most incredibly entertaining games you can ever play. That's how they describe it. That's, it's not. Uh, it, I mean, it's kind of interesting. If you've never played it, I encourage you to go home today and buy it. It'll pass 15 minutes or so at your house if you're really bored. I like Hi-Ho cherry Right, You just spin the thing and take the cherries off the tree. Fill your little basket with cherries. That's pretty easy. That's a pretty good one. But I really liked Candyland. That was probably my favorite one as a kid. Favorite one to play with our kids as we were growing up. And it does teach you some things. It teaches you that despite what people tell you, there are some shortcuts in life, aren't there? You know, we call those life hacks, right? Have you, have you ever seen how somebody can take a coat hanger and bend it all into these kinds of things and use it for anything besides a coat hanger? It's a life hack, right? It's a shortcut for your life. And in Candyland, you might draw a, a little bit of a shortcut that lets you get ahead on the board. But the, the problem with Candyland too is that you can get a setback, right? You, you can be setback. And as a church, as a body of believers, we drew that card. It's a setback card. We didn't get the shortcut card, We've kind of gone through a little bit of a setback, and I think it brings up some questions for us as a church like, do we need to exist? Is there a reason for us to exist as a church? Do we need all of these buildings? Do do we have to do all of these things? What are we going to do, and what's it going to look like as we go forward? And as we do that, I think that this setback that we've had is really a time for us to go back to the start. It's important for us to go back and to really examine those values that we say make up our church. And you remember about 100 years ago when we came out with all those values. It seems like it was 100 years ago, doesn't it? We told you that those values were utterly meaningless if you didn't appropriate those values and live them out in your life as individuals. And so I want us to go back to some of those. And I want you to understand how all of our values are held together with this simple word that has such deep meaning. It's called faith. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you this kind of, uh, I guess what I would call it is a preemptive apology so that I don't make the same mistake I did a couple of weeks ago when we were preaching out of Psalm 73, where I continually said David's name, and it should have been Asaph who wrote Psalm 73 there's a great chance that I'm gonna say that Paul wrote Hebrews and he didn't, okay? So I just say it because he wrote so much of the New Testament. So this is the pre-apology. If that happens, I'm trying to break that habit of saying Paul wrote everything in the New Testament because of course he didn't. But let's read this, and I want you to see what the author of Hebrews does as he uses faith, and I think we'll find our values are connected today with faith, and it's something that the world needs. It's something that we need as believers right now. Let's read Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read the first couple of verses as we get started this morning. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen, for by it our ancestors One, God's approval. Now, when we talk about what faith is, if we were going to just simply define it, and here's what we could do. We could spend our entire time just talking about these first two verses, couldn't we? Because it's so rich, and we could go into kind of this nuanced understanding of what these things are, and I don't wanna do that, but I do think it's important for us to understand some of the words that are given to us here. And he starts by saying, faith. What is faith? Faith is the trust and the confidence that we place in Jesus Christ for our salvation, for the forgiveness of our sins. Kirk was just singing about it. What a beautiful song, right? I love that song. And as we, as we think about that, that's the experience of the believer. We have placed our faith and our trust, our confidence in Jesus Christ the person of Christ and the work that he did on Calvary so long ago in our lives. And so that's what faith is. We're looking to Jesus Christ alone to save us from our sins. And and we exercise faith every day and we do it in ways that have nothing to do with a spiritual sense, right? Many of you get in your car every day and you turn on a GPS or you use your phone's GPS to give you directions to where you're going. And you just assume that those things are right. You, you never really even question it. You just get in and you start driving. That, that's an exercise of faith. You, you do the same things when you get in your car and you trust that this brand new car that you bought has all these airbags all around you. How many of you have ever actually seen an airbag in person? Right? I mean, if you've not been in a wreck where they've deployed, you probably haven't seen it. You certainly probably haven't removed your dash and looked at that airbag and said, "Like, well, man, we ought to test this thing and make sure it works. I'm just going to sit here and let it blow up in my face. Nobody does that, right? You have confidence and you place your confidence in the safety systems of that car. And, and we do it every day in all manner of things. But when the writer of Hebrews is talking about faith, he's talking about our spiritual faith, the thing that we place our faith on. Trust, I shouldn't define it with the same word. Our trust and confidence, that's our faith. As we do that in Jesus Christ. Now, understand this. Christians do this. Hindus do this. Muslims do this. Atheists do this. They all place their faith in something, right? Here's the difference for a Christian. We place our faith in someone. Our faith is built on jesus christ it's in the person of christ and the work that he did at calvary as he shed his blood for us and god took that blood and has covered our sins and washed us with that and cleansed us from our sins by the work that was done at calvary and so what we understand then is that our faith gives us this trust and assurance for these things that we cannot see now, many of the translations that we use use the word assurance. The translation that I read said our faith is the reality. I don't really love that because the literal word is assurance or confidence. And, and, and so I think that's a better translation. Your faith is actually the foundation of everything you're hoping for. And when we talk about hope for a Christian, what we don't mean in that is that we have hope in some pie-in-the-sky dream that everything's just going to be okay. That's not what hope is at all. We're not hoping against hope or wishing on a star or any of those kind of things. That's not what hope is for a Christian. For a Christian, our hope is built on the foundation of our faith. And it allows us to see through this clouded world and all this mixed up stuff that we're seeing, and it allows us to look through that With confidence that what we're hoping for is reality, even though we cannot see it with our sight. We see it with the spiritual lens, our faith. So we have this confidence for us. There's never been a time where those of us who are alive have dealt with something like we're dealing with now. Think about all of the societal movement that's going on. It's like somebody, you know, when you used to have a VCR, right, and you'd hit fast forward when it was still on play, and it would go, and just go really quick through that. That's what it's like right now. That's what it feels like. It's like everything just hit warp speed in society, and it's moving at a pace that feels really, really rapid, doesn't it? Things are changing every day. And also, we're dealing with a pandemic. Those two things combined make things very different. And so for a church, we're asking ourselves about our vision and values. Now, this is important for you to understand. Our vision hasn't changed as a church. We're a church family guiding people to take their next step in following Jesus. That hasn't changed at all. The strategy of how that operates has changed. For instance, in March, at the beginning of March... We ordered two pallets of batteries to be given out for our Connect One strategy. We were gonna walk through the neighborhoods, knock on doors, and hand out batteries reminding people to change their smoke detectors. Now you have to show up with masks and everybody's like, what are you, it's just a stick-up, what are you robbing me? Get, get away, get off my property, we need to social distance. I don't wanna touch your batteries, right? It, it's changed. That, that method right now is gone. One of the strategies that we had was that we were going to hopefully have More first-time visitors on campus. That's funny, isn't it? On campus. Nobody's been here for three months, right? That was our big rollout at the end of January. We're going to have more first-time visitors on campus. That's obviously changed. And, And we've been in this online situation, but guess what's happened? We've had more engagements online than we've ever had before in our lives. And so what we're doing is that we're trying to pivot and we're trying to understand what that means. And what we're trying to do is qualify that and quantify those things. What what does it mean? We have this number and how are we going to use that to reach people? So as we're wrestling with that, the vision hasn't changed, the strategy has changed, and the values that underpin all of that haven't changed a bit. Now here's what I want to do. I want us to just turn the page in my Bible. You may not have to, but to look at verse 3. And we're going to see how the author of Hebrews, you thought I was going to say Paul, but I didn't. The author of Hebrews, he's going to go through and look at our ancestral lineage here. These are people that are in your ancestry, by the way right? All of us, all around the world. We trace our, our whole ancestry back to this. We're part of God's family right here. And here's what we're going to see. We're going to see in these people's lives, how they epitomize and kind of illustrate a value for us that we hold very dear to us. And we're going to see how the author of Hebrews says, faith is the secret ingredient that holds all that together. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with me? I'm really glad you asked. Because my sense and my feeling is, if you're feeling anything like I've felt, or you're dealing with any of these things like I've been dealing with, is that your spiritual life has done this over the last three months. Have you felt that way? I felt like I'm on a roller coaster, and I don't know which day, if I'm going up or I'm going down. You know, I, just, I, I, I never know. And so as we go back to the basics here and back to the start, it's a refresher for us as a church and as individuals to look through these things and say, okay. Where am I at on this? All right, so let's look at this first one. As we read verse three, let me turn the page in and we'll read verse three together here. It's by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what was seen was made from things that are not visible. So we talk about it like this. When we see the world, we worship the Lord and we express that value as being very important to us. And we say it like this. Uh, God's revelation of himself guides us to worship him alone. We don't worship other gods because God has revealed himself in creation. You remember last week that I said you have to have faith because the first page of the Bible, you just smack right into it, right? In the beginning was nothing. And God created something out of nothing. These words that he uses, it says he created the heavens and the earth, the galaxies, the universe, everything that we could see. And so as we come to that, we begin to understand that we have to worship the Lord. And the scripture says, it's by faith that we're able to do that. Notice that it says, this is really important. It says, by faith, we understand something. Now, I realize that today, there are a lot of people who say, well, I take the Christian approach, I read the scripture, and I understand that that's what God said. There are a lot of people who say, well, look, I take a scientific approach to this. And and so I obviously don't believe that. I believe in evolution. Some people say kind of this agnostic approach. The agnostic approach is kind of the easiest one, isn't it? It's just, I don't know what I believe. I don't have to wrestle with this. But let me tell you something. It takes faith to believe that what God said on page one is real. It takes faith. And if you're not a Christ follower this morning, let me tell you something. You say, I I don't know if I could ever believe that. You'll never believe it until you're a Christ follower, until Jesus sets you free, until you have faith that changes your life. None of that makes sense. But here's what happens. When you get saved, when you start walking with the Lord, you know what? You don't have to take a class in creation to understand this. You don't need a class in apologetics to understand this. You don't have to have any of those things. You know what? You don't even have to have a biology degree. You don't. Although I would think if I had a biology degree coupled with my faith and I could see all of those things, it would unpack that for me and it would just be a fascinating study, but you don't have to have that. It's not necessary for you to understand it. By faith, we understand these things. Without faith, you can't do it. And so as we worship the Lord, we're asking you to do that in a couple of ways, aren't we? We say that we qualify that statement by asking you to do it personally, corporately, together, and sacrificially, personally, reading the word, spending time in the devotional life that you have. That builds us up so that when we worship together, whether it's in person or online, let me me tell you something. The best worship you will have is when you're ready for worship because you've been worshiping all week. That's how that works. Faith builds upon faith. And so as you're preparing your heart for worship, then we come and we gather together online, in person, small group. Doesn't matter. God begins to use that and we worship him. We worship him sacrificially. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to worship, isn't it? Because you don't feel like it. You're tired, down, sick, hurting. It's a sacrifice to bring the praise. And yet the scripture says we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of our Lord. Why do we do that? Because he's worth it. He's worthy of every sacrifice we can make for him. And so we worship him. And as we do it, all of this starts to unfold. Now, I want to just tell you, Romans 1 tells us a little bit about the creation and how God has revealed himself and how people look at the created order and they begin to worship created things instead of the creator. You can do that. Some people go to the beach and they worship the little ocean and they go to the mountains and they worship the trees and the mountains and all this kind of stuff and that's their God. We worship the living God and we do it by faith, knowing that he spoke this world into existence. And there's not a telescope that can see all that he's done There's not a space station that can see all of he's done because it's unfolding moment by moment. Scientists tell us that the galaxies are building upon one another and we're seeing these things unfold in creation and that's the handiwork of our God. Now, it's been a long time since y'all have been here, so I'm gonna help you. Let's all say this together, amen. Amen. That was weak, say it again, Amen. amen. Now, here's the good thing about wearing a mask. Nobody will know it was you that said it. So you can have a little anonymity there. It's okay for you to do that, right? We've been sitting at home where if you say amen, somebody hits you and goes, be quiet. Man, what's the matter with you, right? It's different. We're back together. We're worshiping the living God like that. So we understand that. And we understand that it's faith that allows us to do it. If you don't have faith in the living God, you can't worship him. You can't understand the created order. But next we see in verse four, something amazing about generosity. By faith, Abel offered To God, a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts, and even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. The first brothers in the Bible had a problem it was a problem of jealousy Cain and Abel. You find them, the first sets of brothers in the early pages of Genesis. And what we understand is that they both came and offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And there's a key word here that it says about Abel it says that he offered the first fruits. First fruits. All the way through the scripture, it's, it's a, a term you're going to see over and over and over again first fruits. And when we understand that we offer the first fruits, Abel offered the first fruits of his flock, and it was a blood sacrifice signifying the covering of sin. He understood something by faith that had to happen. And we talk about our generosity like this we say that God's generosity towards us guides us to be generous in every way, don't we? Because God has lavished every possible gift. On us through Christ Jesus for salvation, for life that we're living, for the next life that we're going to live. God has made a way for us and he's provided a way for us to do that. He's given us every good and perfect gift. And so what do we do? We look at the scripture and we understand that God requires some things of us. He requires a tithe of us, 10% of your income. The scripture said it's given back to the Lord. And and I want to just say that's the starting point, not the ending point, but it's the starting point of learning generosity towards God and towards other people. We are generous in our time and our our gifts and also our finances towards the Lord's work. But then we see also that there are sacrifices, sacrificial giving that takes place. And, And we do that when we give to our building fund or we do it when we give to our missionary partners. And in every way that we do that, God is using that, and so as we give, we're entering into obedience with the Lord, but we're also entering into blessing with the Lord, because the scripture says that as we give, God begins to bless us. He throws open the windows of heaven and pours out such a blessing that we can't even receive it. So I want to just say to you, thank you. Thank you to this church family for being faithful to obey the word of God in your tithes and your offerings. You know, a lot of times you would think that in a season like this that we would be really hammered because we haven't been together, we're, we're not able to make it, and, and what would it be like? That hasn't been the case for us at all. Your faithfulness to give has shown up every week, and it's shown up in a way that we're not just managing what we have, but we're thriving. Why? Because you've been faithful to obey the Lord. Because guess what? God's, uh, God's commands for obedience aren't based on whether or not we're in a pandemic or not, are they? We're told to obey all of the time. When we obey, that makes our lives blessable. It opens up the blessing of God to be able to do that. And I don't mean, and hear me say this every time, we don't give so that we can get a blessing of stuff. That's not it, is it? God's not like heaven's lottery system. Give 10%, you get everything you want. It doesn't work that way. Give 10% and you're obeying the Lord. And the blessing that follows obedience is so rich in our lives. And we just praise him for that. Make sure that you're continuing to do that. If you haven't ever obeyed the Lord in tithing, I wanna challenge you to start today. I wanna challenge you right now to make that a starting point of obedience in your life. You know, Some people say, well, I'm gonna start by obeying the Lord in tithing by giving 5%. You can't tithe 5%. It's not a tithe. It's 10%. Obey the Lord, start to obey him and watch him bless your life as you do that. We're a generous church and we have to keep doing that because we have mission partners that are waiting for us. We have ministry that needs to take place here in the coming days. We don't know what all that's going to look like. So thank you for doing that. But this is an important thing for us. The next value that you see has to do with the Bible. I want you to see verses five and six. It Talks about a man named Enoch by faith Enoch was taken away so he did not experience death. He was not found because God took him away for before he was taken away he was approved as one who pleased God. Now without faith it's impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe he exists and rewards those who seek him. Enoch's one of the most fascinating characters that we find in the Old Testament isn't he? He's a guy who's Who's just a short couple of verses from Genesis, and it says that he was there, and then he wasn't. He was gone. But you know what the Bible says about Enoch in Genesis that's so interesting? Is the reason that he pleased God. It's a simple word. What do you think he did? Did he sacrifice a bunch? Did he go on a bunch of mission trips? Did he do all this stuff? Real simple. You can do it in a pandemic. You can do it when you're traveling the world. You can do it at home. You can do it at church. You can do it at your office. You can do it at the park. You can do it he walked with God. That's it. Enoch walked with God. When the scripture talks about our walk, so oftentimes we talk about it in the sense that to walk with God means that we understand and know his statutes. And we talk about the Bible like this, that it's God's never changing word and it guides us in an ever changing world. We we have all that we need in the scripture. It's the, the, the very instruction manual for life. And so if you could remember something, we, we started, It seemed I mean, this just feels like 100 years ago. February was not that long ago. We had a spiritual renewal conference, and we called it Reset. And do you remember what we asked you to do? We asked you to take a 20-day journey with us to reset your spiritual life through a little tool. And if you haven't ever received the reset book, uh, maybe if you stop at Next Steps today, maybe they can grab one for you and give it to you. Or if you've lost yours and you wanna go through it again, do it. It's a 20-day journey, and it just gets you focused on reading the scripture and prayer. Why is that important? Why would it be important? Because when we do that, it gives us our marching orders. And when you're marching, you know you wanna be in lockstep. Have you ever seen a group of people trying to learn to march? Maybe some of you were in the military and you remember what it was like to show up at basic training and your drill instructor would be yelling at you because you didn't know your left foot from your right foot and they said, turn left and you turned right and you bounced into people and they said, stop and you walked and all that. I, I watch a marching band and it's one of the most amazing things you can ever see. Because, you know, it's one thing for somebody to be calling left, right, left, right. Try it with a horn in your hand and think about what you're playing, right? I mean, think about that for a second. Somebody that can do that, that's like a person that can run rub their belly and pat their head at the same time. I can't, right? It's an amazing thing to be able to do it. When we get our marching orders from God, it talks about how we walk with the Lord. How do we do that? We walk with him every morning when we open up the scripture and we begin to pray and we receive our marching orders for the day and we walk with him in lockstep. As we walk with him, we get wisdom. We get understanding. And I'll tell you, I've noticed something over these last three months that has become really crucial. There are days where maybe you oversleep and you just don't get a chance to jump into the word or maybe something kind of hits you early in the morning and you just have to get up and you're you're gone and you're going. We all experience that. I can see a tangible difference in my own life when I start with the Lord or when I just jump into the day. Have you noticed that? the day takes on a different feeling discouragement is knocking at the door when i don't start with the lord anxiety anxiousness it's 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 waiting there for me but when i start with the lord it's amazing how he prepares me for the day he prepares you for the day and so we encourage you, again, to, to take that value of the Scripture, the Holy Scripture, and understand that it has all of the answers for the societal change that we're seeing. How are we going to navigate that? It has all of the answers for the days that are ahead. It has all of the answers for the way that we're feeling right now. Of Like, oh, I don't love these masks when I come into worship. Or, oh, I'm overwhelmed by coming into worship. Or, oh, I wish I could have been there and I wasn't able to be there. All of those things. You know, the Scripture, as I was thinking about that, I was reading Ezra this week. They had a lot going on. They'd been in captivity, and they were trying to get back to church, trying to get back home. They had people who were against them. They had a lot going on. They were emotional about those things, just like we are. The, the Scripture's just filled with these things so that God prepares us for what we need to do. And all of these things, it says, are underpinned, laid on the foundation of faith. Would you look back at verse six with me again? Now, without faith, it's impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Two things that are, that are absolutely crucial for you if you're going to have faith as the foundation of your entire life. And it's easy to read the first one and assume that the second one is just talking about that that's what God does, and miss that it's two things you have to believe in faith. Read it again. It says you have to believe that he exists if you're going to draw near to him and please him, and you have to believe, it's one and the same, that he rewards those who seek him. That's important, isn't it? Have you ever asked yourself the question, what's the point? What's the point? I mean, what, what's the point? We, we, we read through uh, Psalm 73 a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about how the writer of the psalm is just saying, like, man, I'm looking around, and all these evil people are getting ahead. They're running on down the road. They're not, they're not suffering like that. What's the point of all of this? If you don't believe that he exists, and I would assume that number one is pretty easy for us, right? You wouldn't be here, probably, Maybe you wouldn't be watching a live stream this morning. You'd be watching golf or something. I don't know. Or outside doing something in your yard. I believe that you probably believe he exists. But that second one's really important. That he rewards those who seek him. I don't love cliche stains. You know, I, they, they, they generally get on my nerves. But one that kind of... Pops up every Christmas that I'm just reminded of that I have to think about is that wise men still seek Him. Wise men, wise women, we still seek Him. We seek Him and we believe that He rewards those that seek Him. Why are we doing all this? Why why does it matter if I get up and pray today? Why does it matter if I read the scripture today? Why does it matter if I obey Him in generosity? Why does it matter if I worship God alone or if I just phone it in today and say that it's just not important, I'm just gonna skip this because I've got better things to do? It matters because we have to have faith to believe that he rewards those that seek him, and he does. He rewards us with the presence of the Holy Spirit, the down payment of our inheritance in our lives. We have the very Spirit of God living in us, and we're so blessed by that. That's a reward that we get, that God is in, in fellowship with us every step of the way. We're never alone that he will never leave us or forsake us no matter the pandemic that we're facing or the societal change that we're facing or the upheaval of our lives. God is rewarding those who faithfully seek him. And guess what? You gotta do. Maybe over the last couple of months you've struggled with that, right? The ebb and the flow. You know what today is? It's a great time to go back to the start. Sometimes we see that as a negative. It's like, oh man, I've kind of covered this before. But you know what? My dad has told me many, many times that when God puts you in the crucible to teach you a lesson and you keep trying to hop out of it, he just keeps grabbing you and putting you right back in it until you learn it. You have to learn it. You have to learn what he's doing. So maybe as we go back to the start, it's time for us to look through these things again and just say, Lord, Have I been generous with my time towards other people? Have I been generous with my finances towards your work? Have I been generous in serving you, Lord? Have I been really worshiping you, Lord? Or have I just found it hard? I've not been fully engaged in that. Lord, have I been in the scripture and walking with you like Enoch did? I mean, just to walk with the Lord. Are you doing that? Maybe today you'd be like me and say, yeah, probably be good to go back to the start. Just to maybe have a do-over. Do-overs are good when you're a kid, right? Right? You're, you're, you're trying to shoot hoops or something and you miss, and you say, no, give me a do-over. I want to redo it. I want to do it till I get it right. Right? I want to be able to, I want to be able to put that shot into it's right. There. That's what we're doing. So as we start this, let's believe a couple of things this morning. Let's believe that our faith is the foundation for everything that we're doing. Let's believe that God's plan for this church, for this body of believers that's scattered at home in small groups and big groups and gathering together, however that's going to look, that God is still at work, that his vision for our church has not changed, although the strategy may might change. Uh, might, I'm going to get it right in a minute. might change. We can understand that and we can, we can be flexible in that and fluid in that and okay with that and just trust him in this and let our faith, let us have hope that sees through the cloud and the haze to those things that he has promised. That ought to bring us joy this morning. I'm gonna ask you to bow for prayer this morning. We're just gonna take a moment, whether you're sitting at home or you're in the room with us this morning, just to close our eyes and get still before the Lord. Could it be that you just need to go back to the start? If you do, just be honest before the Lord this morning. Repentance is such a gift. His cleansing power. Lord, our prayer this morning for us is that as we try to emerge as a church in the coming days, you would help us as individuals, Lord, to walk with you to let our faith push us forward and not to draw back. Lord, I pray for the one who's questioning whether or not you really reward those who seek you. I pray, Father, that you would help us to live this life in faith and to see through the cloud of our circumstances to have hope. God, thank you that our hope is built in a person who died on the cross for us. Jesus, thank you for your blood shed for us. Oh, how we love you and praise your name this morning. Father, we give you glory. We worship you. We're grateful to be together. We're grateful to be online. We're grateful, Lord, to be reaching people that we never could have reached until these circumstances forced it this way. God, give us clarity. Give us purpose to engage people with the gospel, to share the gospel, the good news, the hope with those who will be in our lives every day this week. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.